Welcome to The Real Spiel with Ryan and Kurt. This is Ryan Katz with USCF Investments. And Kurt Nelson with Summerhaven. Let's get real about various asset classes in inflationary regimes. Um, you know, well, maybe we can just start with a recap, Kurt. What do we know about various asset classes from stocks, bonds, commodities, uh, and how they, they, uh, their performance varies during inflationary regimes? Sure. This is I think, topical, and it's something that we're all kind of facing for some investors, perhaps in a surprising way, with this just the steep rise of inflation um, uh, over the last couple years, um, portfolios have tended to be pretty light on real assets and inflation-sensitive assets because inflation was pretty anemic during the 2010s. Um, but you know, we can look at history and we can see going back to, for example, 1970, um, which would include that steep inflation um, period during the 70s uh, when when energy prices were really high. Uh, we saw inflation really high, and eventually the Fed had to rein that in with very steep rate hikes from Chairman uh, Volcker. So we think about this um, not about a nominal level of inflation. We just think about the rate of change of inflation, because I think that's really what an inflation shock is. If inflation goes from 6 to 4%, that's a disinflationary shock. If inflation, on the other hand, goes from two to four uh, percent, that's a positive inflation shock. And you know, looking over at the last fifty years, um, we can look at traditional assets like stocks and bonds. You know, they make up most of uh, investors' portfolios. But then we can also separately break out diversified commodities and see how they perform. Um, if you were paying attention during the 2010s, you know that stocks had just a meteoric rise. You know one of the best runs for, for 13 years um, during that huge expansion. Uh, and we know that that bears out in the long-term data, that when inflation is falling, um, stocks um, do extremely well. And, uh, you know, they're on a risk premium basis above the risk-free rate. Uh, U.S. Um, stocks uh, can earn north of 12% a year uh, historically. That was about half the time in the last 50 years uh, inflation was falling, and that tended to be a great backdrop for equities. Um, Non-U.S. stocks do well as uh, kind of almost 9% per year. Um, not surprisingly, bonds do well. If you think about uh, bonds, they tend to have um, yields and interest rates that uh, fall as inflation goes lower and lower, and we saw that with the very, very low interest rates, partly imposed by the Fed and central bankers around the world. And so when interest rates are declining and, and yields are declining, you tend to make capital returns, price returns on your bonds. And so uh, long-term bonds in the U.S. are almost comparable to non-U.S. stocks, about 8% per year um, over the last 50 years when inflation is falling. Commodities have almost zero return. Um, it's just a paltry 0.5%. Um, so they have very little return capture. And we saw that last decade. We saw a weak, a weak performance for commodities over the 2010s and um, extraordinary performance in traditional financial assets like stocks and bonds. So let's you know, move to the flip side. You know, what happens when inflation rises? And so we're not talking about, again, that inflation is 6, 8, 10, 12%. All you need is to have a year-over-year change where inflation went up, even from a low base. Um, interestingly, that also happened about half the time in the last 50 years. Uh, the, the performance differences couldn't be more stark. Um, U.S. equities um, uh, and 
uh, non-U.S. equities um, fall in, in performance to only 3% above the risk-free rate. So a fraction of the return capture when inflation is falling. Bonds also do very poorly because usually when you have rising inflation, as we know the Fed is doing, you have rising interest rates. That tends to put pressure on bond returns. So long-term bonds go from an 8% return to just over 1%. Um, commodities, on the other hand, almost 14%, 138 um, So clearly there's a, a macroeconomic diversification um, that commodities are behave very differently in positive inflation shocks than traditional assets like stocks and bonds. So I think that's really their time to shine. And if you look at performance this year, I mean, it's, it's still early, but year to date, um, you know, commodities uh, by any measure are up quite a bit. Um, and equities are really challenged this year, whether it's, you know, the NASDAQ or the S&P 500 or foreign stocks. And in line with that, I mean, we've seen, you know, inflation at, at pretty high levels above 8% the past couple months. I don't think it's in, uh, even debatable that inflation is, is transitory. Um, over 8% is, is, is pretty significant, especially what we've, you know, kind of recent uh, investment history has, has, has kind of kind of shown us. But maybe we can talk a little bit about real assets. Everyone most would would consider uh, real assets as a great inflation hedge, but there's a lot of different asset classes within real assets alone, from diversified commodities to commodity equities to real estate. Uh, you know, maybe you can talk a little bit about um, you know the various underlying asset classes uh, under the umbrella of real assets. Sure. And in fact, we did our, uh, some data analysis to try to contrast and compare these um, for our own research uh, because we were curious ourselves. How do uh, assets like real estate or even like a diversified tips, an inflation protected uh, bond portfolio, behave um, relative to things like commodity equities or energy equities or uh, our bread and butter, which is diversified commodities? Um, as you would expect, um, uh, things like commodity equities, energy equities, commodities themselves do quite well when inflation is rising. Um, interestingly, real estate doesn't seem to do as well, has weaker performance when inflation is rising. And um, even though real estate tends to be real property and you think there might be a, a real hedge there as prices are going higher, the reality is that interest rates going higher tends to uh, damage um, access to financing. You know, it causes the, the cost of the debt burden, burden to be higher. We know that from mortgages going up. People are uh, expecting that housing prices may uh, soften a bit um, because mortgages are so incredibly expensive now versus what they were a year ago. So real estate prices are still really high right now, but higher and higher inflation and higher and higher interest rates, um, which usually co-appear, um, tend to be a headwind actually to real estate tips, you know, um, are, are interesting. Um, I think the bigger issue is that they're adjusted simply by CPI, which, you know, moves around, um, you know, month to month, year to year. Um, and you get an adjustment to your return in that government bond. However, usually when inflation is rising and CPI is going up, you're dealing with very high interest rates as well. And higher interest rates in a long-term, uh, say, five or 10-year tips bond is going to have a, an, a reverse effect to the compounding yield that you get from the CPI adjustment. So tips 
um, you know, if you hold them to maturity, will just cover you for inflation. But the ride could be rocky as you know the long duration to a lot of these these portfolios gets negatively affected by higher interest rates. Yeah. Moving to the other kind of traditional real assets that we think of, commodity equities, energy equities, and commodities, we find that they all do better when rate inflation is high, higher. Um, I think commodity equities and energy equities um, do not perform as well. They kind of uh, are in the long run kind of 4 or 5% behind commodities themselves during these high inflation shock periods. And I think it's because they're both companies as well as having an inflation beta through their commodity industry. So um, equities, we know, don't tend to do as well uh, when inflation is rising. The fact that these are operating companies with shareholders and, you know, uh, higher input costs, higher labor costs when inflation's high um, tend to be a headwind. And um, we um, we find that among the various real assets we've looked at, um, actual diversified commodities do the best when inflation is rising. Yeah. And also important to point out that commodity equities oftentimes hedge out a lot of their direct commodity price risk. Uh, through the futures market as well. Um, one other asset class that we haven't touched on that I think uh, would make sense to bring up would be gold. Sure. I mean, you've seen this massive run up over the past couple of years in commodities. Equities have suffered somewhat and gold has really been range bound. Why is that? And why do people uh, kind of kind of feel like gold is all, also a, a great inflation hedge? So gold is really good as a, as a store of value. Um, it's been used that way for centuries or for, you know, set thousands of years. Um, there's an old saying that, you know, 300 years ago, an ounce of gold would buy you a nice wool suit and dinner and a pair of leather shoes. And that's kind of true today. Gold's maybe around $1,800 an ounce, um, depending on where you buy your suit and where you go to dinner, you know, and where you buy your shoes, it's probably about the same. It, it's, um, it, it doesn't have a risk premium in the way that other productive commodities um, do because uh, we don't consume gold. We extract it, refine it, and then we store it, but it doesn't get consumed. Um, you know, it just gets stored in a vault and used as an alternate currency typically. Um, because of that, it doesn't generate any uh, yield um, on its own when you hold physical gold in a vault. Now, when interest rates are really low, there really isn't any opportunity cost. Because if you had a checking account or a savings account or, or a short-term bond portfolio or money market instrument, you're not really earning that much interest. But when rates go higher... Um, I think that there's, there is a tailwind to gold through the impact of inflation and inflation beta, but there's a headwind because higher interest rates and higher return on cash is an opportunity cost for a gold investor. So I think it creates volatility and noise, um, but it's not as a, a direct drive um, transmission of higher inflation uh, in the way that commodities that are consumed, whether they're industrial metals uh, agriculture, energy products, even in the precious metal space, uh, platinum, palladium, silver are largely industrial. They're really not a primary store of, of value or wealth the way gold is. It's pretty unique that way. That said, gold is a great risk-off asset that investors have used traditionally when there's periods of steep, significant financial distress. If we start to see cracks in the equity market, in the crypto market, and other uh, assets that have appreciated a lot, I would not be surprised uh, for investors to turn back to gold because it's been that kind of steady um, store of value for, for investors around the world for a long time. 
Absolutely. And I think one of the most important things and most important tools that investors have is uh, is diversification. So yeah. not only across um, equities and, and your fixed income portfolios, but also within uh, real assets as well. This has been The Real Spiel with Ryan and Kurt. We'll talk to you soon.